Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now here, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me how your ways please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, and I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand in the rock and while my glory passes by I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face you shall not be seen the Lord said to Moses <clears throat> The heading is Moses makes new tablets. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourselves two tablets of stone like the first, and I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which, were, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no rocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord is a God of mercy and graciousness, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty? visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. 
And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favour in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. The covenant renewed. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as I have not been created, such as has not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold. I will drive out before you the Amorites and the Canaanites, the Hittites and the Perizzites, the Harites and the Jebusites. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down the, their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, everyone. Hi. Um, thanks for everyone who's um, sent me messages, prayed, and for me and our, the kids over this week. has been a tricky week. Um, and uh, so the this talk, we're going to just look through this Bible passage and pull out a few things from it. Um, it's not going to be an incredibly polished or crafted message, uh, but hopefully it will be blessed by the Lord and nourishing to us. Uh, so let me let me pray for us as a... Oh, I was just checking in the book. It said there was 88 people here last week. I was sad because I wasn't here, <laughs> um, but uh, that, that was great. Um, let's pray. Uh, uh, Lord, I uh, thank you for the gift of Holy Scripture, and um, I pray that you would um, enliven to us that which you want to uh, make real for us this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, uh, anoint me as I speak, and anoint us all as we as we hear, as we listen. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, uh, verse. Maybe, Darren, if we use the Bible passage, we're going to go through it. Uh, look, starting at verse 12, just going to read 12 to 16. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the people on the face of the earth? It's as if Moses is saying to, to God, um, I feel like you know me and you know my people, but I wish that I knew you better. Um, I wish that I knew you 
better. There's this desire of knowledge of God, of intimacy with the Lord. And then he says, uh, unless your presence goes with us, uh, we, we don't send us out from here. I think that's quite incredible in the sense that they are in a desert place, in a wilderness, on a journey to somewhere. They're saying, we'd, we'd rather be in the desert, effectively in prison with the Lord, than anywhere else without you, God. So it's, it's a very bold claim. Um, and Moses is aware that without the distinctiveness of the Lord's presence with them, is that they are just another tiny nation amongst the nations. Nothing to distinguish them. Uh, no uh, military prowess or great cultural uh, achievements. They're just kind of uh, a, a nobody. And um, obviously we've, we've all been looking at the terrible things that have happened in Israel over the past week. Um, and something that... <clears throat> I was really surprised by, I didn't know, is how few Jewish people there are actually on, on this earth. There's only 15 million people who, who are Jewish in, in their race and 6 million of them live in the state of Israel and then the rest, most of the rest live in America and then the rest throughout the rest of the world. So this, is, this always has been a tiny, tiny nation and Moses knows that unless you make us distinct by giving us yourself then we're we're nobodies we don't want to go without you and it made me think about us as a church um there are uh, amazing things we can do with our own you know under our own strength as a church um some many churches hopefully not us but we would be in danger of it, uh, become really good clubs. Um, and it's not, not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> They're really good place for people to meet, uh, friendly with one another, might do some really good social outreach, uh, um, welfare relief for uh, poor and suffering amongst us. Um, uh, but I felt and we're doing more and more of all of those things. And I think this is a, a good, friendly bunch of people to be attached to. There's a lot of social needs that are fulfilled by simply being part of St. Margaret's Church. I like being part of St. Margaret's Church. Um, uh, but then I wonder whether we would... I would also desire us, for myself as well, to make this the same call that Moses does... Lord, unless your presence is with us, we don't want to go into all those other things. Uh, even if it meant, we talked about there being more people last Sunday, even if it meant numerical growth, Lord, what we desire most of all is your presence with us. Uh, knowing that we could actually just, uh, like any, I think human beings are wonderful, creative, creative people we um, seem to make, uh, have this very unusual gift. Maybe this is what it means to be in the image of God. Say if everything uh, deteriorates, you know, things fall apart, um, things run out of energy. Human beings seem to have this amazing gift of making things work and prolonging things existing. We see that the ultimate um, sign of that is cities, I mean, have you ever been in a big city and thought, wow, this all works, and kind of, 
but all works. Um, I think I've, I've lost my train of thought there. <laughs> but um, human beings can do wonderful things, and yet there is this... I, I wonder if we would have the same heart as Moses to say, and Lord, unless your presence goes with us, we, we don't want to go. Read 17 and 18. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Again, so it's as if the Lord knows Moses and despite Moses being in the presence of God now for periods of up to 40 days at a time, he still has this sense that I don't, I don't really know you. And I actually think that is, um, for followers of Jesus, that's actually a, a sign uh, that you're maturing as a Christian. It's when you feel like, oh, I, don't, I feel like I don't really know him. Uh, that, that means that you have some knowledge of him. And when we have knowledge of him, it creates a desire in us to know him more that there is that there is so much more to to learn uh, and knowledge of God through revelation. I I like that um, f- phrase. It's, it's used by a theologian to talk about John's gospel, but I think it's true of the whole uh, Christian life that it says that John's gospel is um, shallow enough for children to paddle in and deep enough to drown an elephant. And I, I think that's true of the whole Christian life that there's it's shallow enough that uh, anyone can play, and yet there is such depth to it that um, we never get to the bottom of it. And I, I find that reading Scripture. I mean, I've reading through Scripture now every year for, I don't know, 15 years or so, and some of us <laughs> will be much, much more, um, but still find uh, fresh revelation, fresh food, sustenance in Scripture. Uh, Show me your glory. Uh, that the word glory there means it means weight. Um, I want to know you in the fullness of who you who you are. Uh, Moses has this desire to know God better. I wonder whether we have a desire to know God better. Sometimes I do, but 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 not always. Verse nineteen to twenty three, and the Lord said. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. This is a familiar theme that we've had through Exodus. We've had it as we've looked at the tabernacle in particular. Um, and uh, I think is uh, can make us feel uncomfortable um, when we think, understand God as a God of love who desires relationship with us and intimacy with us. And yet, Throughout Exodus, particularly, we've had this kind of image of, you know, but you can't, you can't get too close. We had a fascinating conversation in our small group a few weeks ago when we were thinking about 
the tabernacle. And kind of an analogy that we reached was, um, say, uh, especially when, it, when people seem to, don't get too close or you will die. And that seems to be what is uh, implicated in the passage here. Is Moses, you can't, you can't see my fullness because if you do, no one can see my face and live. And is that because God is, God is mean? It might seem like that on a surface level. Um, but we were thinking about electricity. And say if you were to um, put your hand on a, into an electric circuit that was 10,000 volts or something, the electricity doesn't wonder and think, oh, what has this person done in their past? You know, is, is, this, is this a good person or a bad person? Uh, ought I electrocute this person or, or, or not? Um, it's just something that happens because you become part of the electric circuit and get electrocuted. And that's almost as if God is, is like that, is a, is a power, is beyond us. And if we were to, um, if he was to show us in his fullness of who he is, it would be like getting plugged into the electric socket. And actually, I've, I don't know whether any of you have experienced such an experience like that in the presence of God. We had Andy Leppard a few weeks ago shared this quite beautiful story of going to work and having an encounter with God and how that changed him, and, but how that was quite a, a visceral experience. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just some nice thing that happened to him. It was a powerful thing that happened to him. I, I had um, something that happened. I've had a few moments like that, but perhaps not more than when I, I was 13. That's a good reason to pray for our young people because my most powerful encounter with God still is when I was 13. You know, we think that it's an adult thing, but uh, I'm, I met God in uh, that profound way then. Um, it, we were at a, a, a youth conference. I don't think I would have described myself as a Christian, um, but my girlfriend was going. <laughs> that sounded good. Um, and my sister was going. She invited us both. Uh, and I had, yeah, the most incredible uh, experience of God whilst I was there. We were invited, people were invited up to the front to make a commitment to Jesus. And I, I thought, well, I, I think I already have, so I don't need to go. And I felt compelled that I ought to go. And so I was there at the front. And I, I didn't know anything about kind of charismatic Christianity. I didn't know that sometimes people fell over uh, in prayer ministry. Maybe some of you don't, but it it does happen. Um, so I was being prayed for uh, and found myself getting quite wobbly. Um, and the person just said, just, you know, just relax. And as soon as he said that, I, I fell over. I thought I was the first person that had ever, I thought I was <laughs> an incredible case, had ever fallen over uh, in that kind of context. And um, probably for the next half, half an hour, it, it did feel like I had become plugged into the electric an electricity circuit uh, was um, uh, certainly an amazing feeling, but also almost almost overwhelming. Like it was almost at the point where anything more might have tipped me over the edge. And so 
D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, he describes an encounter with God where he, he prays, like, Lord, stay, stay your hand because I feel like this is killing me. I feel like any more and I might die. And I, um, I wish that that was a regular experience of such a visual... <laughs> my regular experience is more of an absence of God than the visual experience of God. And yet I can point to points in my life where I have profoundly experienced God um, in a way that I understand somewhat of what is happening here with, with Moses. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which he broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me from the top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning. It's interesting how it's early in the morning. It seems to be a very spiritual time, doesn't it? Early in the morning. I, I've, I actually quite, I do quite well in the mornings. But um, I always feel bad for people that say, I'm just not a morning person. It just seems that God shows up in the mornings. <laughs> I'm sure there's some spiritual reason behind that. As the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he did not, does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So um, Moses says earlier, I want, I want to know your name. And the Lord says, I will proclaim my name. And um, this idea of name uh, is, is more than just like my name, Nathaniel. Names in the Old Testament particularly reveal something of the character of the person. So uh, Jacob is a swindler and a scallywag, and that's what his name means. And there's lots of other in Abraham, a father of many nations. And so it says name reveals something of someone's nature and character. And uh, so the Lord's, he says, this is, this is what I'm like. I'm merciful and gracious. I'm slow to anger. I don't have a short, fuse. Um, I'm the forgiver of sin and yet I am also uh, a God of justice where there's recompense for things that uh, go wrong and the the things that people do to other people. Um, I think, I I don't know whether anyone's read The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. Um, Anyone? I have. Uh, there's There's other books on atheism that Make me more likely to be an atheist than that book, but um, <laughs> but it is interesting, and I think he he talks about um, uh, an like a, like a bad an an angry God of the Old Testament and a loving God of the New Testament, and he and one of the chapters he paints this picture of this, and I uh, I think maybe a lot of Christians kind of have that view of the Old Testament. And actually, to be fair to Richard Dawkins, it is easy 
when you read some of the passages in the Old Testament to, to, to think that. And yet, just go back to verse 19 in chapter 33. He says, talking about all of my goodness to pass in front of you. <laughs> it's alone. I don't know what's going on there. there. <laughs> all of my goodness to pass in front of you. And it, it doesn't say, um, I will cause all of my justice or all of my wrath against sin or all of my power to go in front of you. Even though all of those things are part of the nature and character of God, he says all of my goodness. And so followers of Jesus, when there are those uh, things that we might find uncomfortable about stories, particularly in the Old Testament, I think we're encouraged to, to think how can these things be contained within God's goodness rather than God being kind of like a balance of light and day, yin and yang, good and evil, but rather God is unbalanced. He is good completely. And all these other attributes are held within his goodness. Verses eight, I mean, we could have a whole, this is, this is the most quoted verse in the Old Testament by the Old Testament. So I know it's an interesting thing. Um, and, and we could probably, you know, we could camp out there probably for a sermon series in itself, but we, we won't because we need to finish and worship. Um, and the response is worship. In verse 8, he says, Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us, although this is a stiff-necked people. Forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And uh, later on, the passage goes on to uh, talk about is that phrase, I, for my name is jealous um, and I, I am a jealous God. And this comes back to this language of inheritance. It's a kind of, it's, it's the language of marriage. And we, we, we talk about the covenant of marriage. Uh, God is making, he's saying, I'm, I'm fully committed to you, Israel. And uh, once in return, full commitment from from them. And uh, I think um, we think of our relationship to God. I think lots of us will know people who, uh, where there's been difficulties in marriage, um, possibly because of uh, thing, you know, I think things that go wrong. And to the people who suffer that, I mean, it's incredible pain. And to think that, and, and though we all love imperfectly, and here's God who gives so much of himself and loves perfectly, uh, and that idea of that pain being within him uh, and desiring that uh, closeness, intimacy of relationship. When God comes by his presence, our response is worship and also to bring the needs of the people that we're with, uh, people of Frising Hall, Bradford, the UK, the world, uh, in, into that presence. That's what Moses does. He, he desires God's presence and then he, 
intercedes on behalf of his people. He does that various times uh, through this passage. And so I'm going to close and um, we're going to respond in worship. But let's stand together and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit of God to come and meet with us. This idea of God knows us, but how well do we know him? And as he comes, I trust he will as we ask for his presence to be with us. Our response is worship and also to bring the needs of the people around us into that presence, to intercede and to pray. So let's stand and I'll, I'll ask for the Lord to come. Lord, thank you for these words of scripture and uh, we simply pray, as Moses did, uh, for you to show us your glory that we might come to a deeper and greater knowledge of you. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you to pass amongst us, that your goodness would move amongst us.